0: I hate him so much. I can't look at him sometimes. He's the worst image of the film. His stupid smiling face and the banal Mm -hmm. jokes. I can't I can't. And like showing his asshole to
1: everybody. Like he's he's totally awful. He's he's he's, like
0: like a like a Harpo Marx clown jackass. No, he's more he's um, (laughs) he he
1: he's more Dana Carvey and Master of Disguise vibes to me. Oh my god.
0: (laughs) God. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef.
1: Welcome to One fucking Hour. I am Evan Husney. Of course, this is the show where we talk about one movie for one fucking hour. And uh, I'm joined, of course, today, we got to my left, we got Tom Fitzgerald. Tom, what's going on, man? Tom?
0: Hey, it's good to be here. Uh, holiday vacation, so, uh, you know, I'm loose like a long-necked goose here.
1: All right. Mm-mm. And we got, uh, <laughs> as per usual, we got to my right, we got Mr. Marcus Herring. Marcus, what's up?
2: Hey, what's up, everybody? Calling, calling in from my uh, my new prison cell here. So, <laughs> I know
3: it's. They let me bring in my
2: mic and uh,
0: we'll doing time that, with Marcus later. Herring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I the can.
2: hell is going on? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Another house arrest situation to my right. Okay, I know.
0: <laughs> and. Uh, role violations
2: if you're again yeah, here,
0: yeah. That's what we
1: got. Um, if you're watching at home you're noticing here we have a special guest all the way to the right uh, my dear friend welcome to the show uh, first time on the show Mr. Uh, buddy Giovannazzo, a.k.a. Buddy G. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey,
3: I am so psyched to be here because I am a fan of this show. And I'm from my dungeon in Berlin, so we have a truly international show tonight. Yeah, I like
0: that dude. flavor. Yeah. Right. Yes. yeah.
4: It, it's nighttime
3: yeah. where I am, daytime where you guys are. I'm wow. your future.
1: It's amazing. It's right. incredible. Right. Three time zones are on this show right now uh, That's across right. two countries. So... Yeah. um. So, Buddy G, I just want to get this uh, off the top of the show. So, uh, Buddy is a film director, writer, author, novelist. Um, he directed a a, a a total favorite of mine, one that I have a long history with, a film called Combat Shock. Isn't that right? So, uh, back in, what was that, uh, 84 that you
3: made P- Combat Shock? Uh, I finished in 86.
1: 86. Okay, Finished yeah. in
3: 85, released in 86. Okay, okay,
1: released in 86. So once upon a time, I've known Buddy. I think we tried to determine before we hit record. I think I've known you now, Buddy, for almost 15 years, which is hard to That's believe. Right. Hard yeah, to believe. That. Once wow. upon a time, uh, you know, hey, you got to start somewhere. I got my foot in the door in the industry working for <laughs> Troma Entertainment in New York City in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, w- working for, you know, those guys, I-, I was a big, you know, I was a fan of toxic Avenger in class in Newcomb high when I was a kid. So I was yeah. really thrilled to get that job. But along the way I discovered this movie combat shock that, that trauma owned and had in the right. vault. And I really petitioned to get that movie re-released. And I guess that's yeah. how we met, right? I mean, we met. That's I- exactly
3: how we met. You were the guy, you were the guy that put everything together. You did all those extras, which were awesome thank you The before and after scenes of locations that all the locations that are gone yeah. have been gentrified and yeah awesome. also
0: shout out to those early music videos uh, oh. of you and your band <laughs> The oh, best. that shit is really special yeah what was the band i yeah. forgot
3: circus 2000 ad uh right, right. more pretentious camping <laughs>
1: No, it was great. It yeah, was it, like this was awesome. it was it was like this kind of prog rock Devo sounding band that you were Totally. In. Oh, that's perfect. Great. And 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 you also had the you had the Peter Gabriel Reverse mohawk exactly going on. exactly i was, it was the incredible.
3: anti-mohawk <laughs>
1: yes it's <was> incredible. Right. <laughs> yeah, awesome it's it incredible so so yes yeah, so, so that's how i got to know buddy if you haven't seen combat shock y'all should check it out it's an amazing example of mm. diy 80s nihilism in film <laughs> it's classic. incredible yeah total classic i'm sure we'll do it uh, on the show at some yeah. point so uh, it's been we'll, on the we'll short get. list for this mm-hmm. whole time yeah absolutely absolutely so welcome to the show but what, what we're talking about here. Tonight is we are talking about. Oh boy, this is gonna be
4: an.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be a fun <laughs> one. Uh, we are uh, get ready, everybody, for episode forty-nine of the show. We are doing one fucking hour on Pier Paolo Pasolini's Salo. Or the hundred and twenty days of Sodom, and this is a yeah. buddy pick. So, buddy, this is your <laughs> pick. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, sorry, no. folks. It's your fault. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm, no, I'm, we're kidding. Uh, no, this is a fascinating. Well, I, film.
0: again, that's that's on the list too. I think we would have gotten around to this film. You would have. Uh, you eventually. definitely would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Anyway, so it's perfect. This is a
1: rich subject with a lot of history. There's a lot to talk about just with the movie, and and of course, well, we're going to get into it. Let's let's yeah. start the yeah. clock. So, buddy, here is the infamous one fucking hour clock, and I'm going to hit that clock. (laughs) For
0: whom the bell tolls. (laughs)
1: Now. Okay. Um,
3: All
1: right. little background on the film before we get into this, um, just for the folks at home. Uh, Okay. Pasolini's Salo, or the 120 Days of Jeffrey Epstein, sorry, of Sodom, uh, have been branded by critics as the sickest film ever made. And is uh, an unrelenting look at the depravity which humankind can sink to. Set in World War II fascist Italy, four wealthy corrupt libertines kidnap 18 teenagers and subject them to four months of extreme violence, sadism, and sexual and psychological torture. Oh, boy. (laughs) Having lost none of its power to shock viewers, the film explores themes of political corruption, consumerism, nihilism, morality, capitalism, and, of course, sadism. And the story is split up into four segments inspired by Dante's Divine Comedy. You have the Anti Inferno, the Circle of Manias, Tom's favorite, the Circle of Shit, and the Circle of Blood. So, <laughs> 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 sorry. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have a little fun with this or else uh, it's gonna be a little stiff yeah, um it's one fucking
0: hour you know it's one yes. here we It's still go. us here it's still us all right so but this uh, film <laughs> it, it's rare that a, a film that's nearing almost 50 years uh its age can still be a punch in the stomach it's you know yeah. really oh that's, my that's God. Not- that's that's that doesn't really happen very often you know and absolutely it's, it's maybe even it, i think even in this modern world it'd be more repellent for people than than even back in 75 so 100 I mean, that's true yeah
1: 100 percent. so but first let's kick it off to our guest buddy uh when yeah. did you first see this movie when did this movie first you know get on
3: your radar well, I, I have to even start before them. This movie played at the New York Film Festival in October of seventy-seven and it played on October first. And um I read a review from Rex Reed. And back in the day, back in the seventies, Rex Reed was like a really major film reviewer. You know, he oh, was yeah. international he was nationally known, which for a film reviewer was a big thing. Yep. So I read his review of this film that was in the film festival. And I just couldn't believe what I was reading. And I remember once the sentence that made me rush out to see this movie was he put it down so badly. But one sentence he said was, you can actually smell the cat piss coming off the screen. (laughs) And I just thought I never, never could even imagine such a review like that. So I went, I went, I I remember the day because it was the opening day and I just researched it today. It opened on October 3rd at the Festival Theater on 57th Street, which was like an art theater. Yeah. Now keep in mind in new york i was used to going the strip i mean i saw so many films on, on Times square and you go and see three films for a dollar fifty and the films just kept playing all day long so you could sit there if you really loved the film you could sit there and watch it two and three times and people did so wow. i'm going this monday you know october 3rd 1977 i'm going to the festival theater it was almost like going to lincoln center in a way Wow. It, harmonic i sit there with a few friends and the film starts, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing because I'd never seen such horror and depravity as art. You know, when you're watching horror films, especially in the '70s, they looked dirty, they were grimy, they they were made by guys that didn't give a shit about art. I mean, you know, yeah. they just they were made by people that didn't even like the films they were making. For a lot of them, right? But this film, it was a work of. There was a lot of love in it because the handwork, like the camera work. I remember being bowled over by the camera work especially in the beginning. And Tom, you mentioned before that uh, it's so beautiful and so lush and elegant, and that's Pasolini. I had no idea who Pasolini was. So I watched this film, and I think you guys can all appreciate this. It's one of those films that changes your life because it changed my life. Really? It it, it showed me a level of depravity and horror in the human spirit that I didn't think existed. Yeah. And, and you know, like, you know, like Last House on the Left, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Salo was just like to me like the Star Wars of those films using Star <laughs> Wars in the 70s. Right. And and you know and even in my own work even in Combat Shock Salo had to have an effect because Combat Shock is just pure nihilism. There's no yeah. hope, there's no there's it's just pure yeah. despair and I think Pasolini's film really just horrified me and shocked me in a way. And also it was horrifying but you couldn't look away. It was like being at a car accident, you know, and you just you didn't want to look. Oh. But you couldn't stop. And, and, you know, I was young enough to, to just be, you know, film just... I wonder if I just saw it now for the first time, if it would have the same effect. Although, I saw it in June at the American Cinematheque in Los Angeles, and it's still fucked up. I mean, it's yeah. still powerful and still...
5: God, so... so-
3: Anytime I could see Salo theatrically over the years, I've done it. If I'm in a city and Salo's playing anywhere theatrically, I'll go.
1: <laughs> wow. And so here, so it's here. safe to say so it's safe to say you saw the New York premiere of this movie. I mean that's I saw
3: it on the first day because reading that review, wow. I never read, you know, Rex Reed never wow. wrote about films I would like. You know, he was always like he was always to me like just, you know, sort of an asshole.
0: Yeah. Kind yeah, of middle yeah. class taste.
3: <laughs> middle right? class taste, totally. And and this review was just so horrifying. It's so horrible. And just, wow. I mean, you just remember the the piss coming off the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, I'll have to take that and, up. Wow. And yeah, he was right. I did smell it. Wow. <laughs> so
1: okay. well, let's let um, that that's amazing that you saw it on opening night. That's God, incredible.
3: I know. Uh, it's incredible. Um, that's New York City. Living yeah. in New York City, you can yeah. see anything. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: And that's way so, uptown. You had to go. Well, the festival was like in the Upper West Side or something. Is yeah,
3: well, this 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 screening was the the uh theatrical run. So it played at the festival on the first. Okay. And then it opened on the third film festival. Got yeah. it. So, got you it, know, got I took it. a bus to the ferry, took the ferry to Manhattan, and then I took like the IRT up to Fifty Seventh Street. So I, I it took me like almost two hours to get to from wow. Staten Island, yeah. I'm Staten
0: Island to the Upper West Side. <laughs> yeah, for So yeah. yeah. now that's a story. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing <laughs> I the picture. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, sure you were the only Denzian of Staten Island who saw Stallo. Uh, you, know, you know, I think, I'll, 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 I'll I'll bet. think
3: still, still, Tom. I that's think. what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're the <laughs> only you. person, the only Staten Singular, Islander
0: yeah. who's
1: seen the film. Um, yeah. All right. So, Tom, right. we were talking about this before we hit record, just about. Like, yeah, this, this movie made seismic cultural impact waves yeah. in the world cinema scene. It was like a bomb scene. going off, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. pick up where you left off on that because I think that's a good contextual marker well, well, yeah,
0: marker for. just the, uh, the cultural context. I, one of the fascinations I have with Salo is its cultural context in that there was a real question going on by 1975, 1976 when the film dropped, and it was uh, how far will films go? Mm-hmm. Have they gone too far? And, uh, you know, the, the and, and that culminates with this film, but also the appearance of the film Snuff, where, you know, when it first dropped, people didn't think it was totally phony. And they thought, oh, my God, there's people having sex on screen, and now they're murdering each other. Like, how far are movies going? You know, like, that was the, <laughs> the general cultural description. And I always think of this, this. It's almost like there's the cultural bends, you know, like getting the bends when you're... When you, submerged and coming up it's yeah. like you've got a uh, 10-year period approximately where it's the sound of music is playing you know in, in midtown and it's huge and then you know 10 years later snuff is playing and i think that people it just must have fucked. i, I wasn't witness to this stuff but it's like and it, it's all these films and, and it was exploitation like last house on the left i think they sold it as how far can a film go that was part yeah, of the tagline that's, tag right. that's right. right it's only a movie you know? it's only a movie yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Right. And then all, and it really is, that still punches you in the stomach. That hasn't lost any of its power. But also, yeah. films like Viva la Muerta by Arabal, even El Topo, uh, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, uh, and also just pornography, like I was saying before. It's like people were just getting uh, dizzy. Like, what is going on? And then, and then Solo drops because this is a con film festival, darling, a world renowned filmmaker, Pasolini, and it's got shit eating and people being scalped. <laughs> And it's just yeah. like, what is happening to our culture? So uh, that always fascinated me. And I always associate it for some reason with Listomania, the Ken mm. Russell film, because that in its own way is excessive, but also very pretty and kind of art deco. And just like, I just see, it's one of the, all these films, people I could just see walking out in the first 20 minutes. Like, I'm not doing this, you know, it just has that kind of tone to it where people were just like, uh. Like, uh, what's next? People thought it was going to get even worse. And that's why right. the film Snuff, I, th- I think people thought, oh, it's inevitable that we're going to have, like, in uh, 1977, it's going to be a movie where, like, 12 people are, like, cut into pieces and flayed on screen. And it's, like, playing, you know, uh, you know, uptown at Lincoln Center. It's like, what's going on? So, anyway, that was fascinating. And right. uh, this film was often straight-up banned, actually. It wasn't banned in uh, america did play like of course new york city but it also played some smaller areas too but it was banned i think in like quebec and uh, i think it had a huge problem in australia up to the 90s even you know and england yeah. had a big problem with it i think england oh, yeah. cut it up uh if, if outright banned <laughs> it i think you had to go to private cine clubs in the uk to even see it so this was a super hot potato and as we discussed the film further uh we'll, we'll all understand just why it uh, was and still is uh, a hot topic. Someone got arrested in the '90s for selling the VHS. Yeah, or for renting it.
1: So, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I have. I had that earmarked as well. Marcus, do you yeah. have an origin story with uh, with Salo, or how did you how did this come across your
2: your life? I mean, similar to Tom, it's like I was interested in movies that were pushing the. I don't know. I don't remember. I was trying to figure out the first time I saw this. I couldn't remember where I first even heard of it, but I mean, because it's. It's everywhere. it's in the psychotonic encyclopedia, you know, yeah. it's uh, in the uh, Pasolini's all over the uh, film a subversive art book and mm. and um and this movie's always at the top at uh, the top list of those really excessive movies that are pushing the boundaries. I always try to catalog a list similar to what Tom is saying at the top of, you know, when I was uh, before the show, I was thinking about Satyricon being kind of in this vein too, you know, of like yeah. excessive pushing the boundaries and of course Caligula, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and movies that oh, are, yeah. you know, Great example. Exactly what we're right. talking about. It's yeah. so like not only is it like a really uh, a subversive subject matter and gross human, uh, you know, gross human acts, subject matter, but it's also like a large cast of people being forced to do this stuff and uh, anyway, I uh, so, yeah, I, I'd be interested to see, like, if we – some, maybe, maybe someday we can graph out, like, a graph of these movies, you know, of, of the order in which they were released and made. be kind of interested to see, like, to chart the pathway of it. But, yeah, I just – I couldn't remember the first time I'd seen it, and I did dig really hard into this stuff probably about 20 years ago. I was really interested in Pasolini watching Tiarima – and uh Ak- akatone i i you know it's it's all just kind of fuzzy now i have them all burned on dvds i would like i'd rent them from netflix or whatever and then burn them rip the disc and order send them back like have a nine plastic, discs at a time coming and that's them all two thousand back boom, immediately dude. yes exactly so uh, it's been a while since when you brought it up it's been a while uh, before i since i thought about solo but of course, it was very traumatic watching it again. So I really appreciate you guys yeah. bringing it up.
3: But of course, <laughs> you know the, the the thing. Getting back to what you said, Tom, about even snuff. I saw snuff in the theater. By the way, I had to walk past the oh processes. Oh my God, Tom! In New York, we saw everything. I mean, we Amazing. just gave very right away. So how did that go? Is the thing with snuff is it's so disappointing at the end because you realize it's so badly made and it's just so shitty yeah. and yeah, you know, like I, I, you know, I was just seeking out. The alternative the weirdest stuff that you know the sure. stuff that you aren't supposed to see
0: did you do the midnight movie stuff no like, these were
3: playing this was the regular run
0: this no was, i mean um did you also do pink flamingos and uh oh, all that I, stuff
3: yeah i saw pink flamingo i saw all the john waters films at cinema village on 12th street midnight amazing awesome. race ahead Asparagus. Awesome. you know i wasn't awesome. into rocky I, I you know i like rocky horror but it wasn't my thing yeah. it was just it was a party film and i was more into Erase ahead and. You know multiple maniacs uh, uh female trouble pink flamingos is uh you know i think also a masterpiece like salo the thing did see what i wanted to say is that like snuff was made by roberta finley who was definitely not anything related to an artist she had no artistic intention salo is a work of art and that gets yeah. lost yeah. sometimes it truly is it's 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 a brilliant filmmaker pushing boundaries and going into places where people probably don't want to go but that's the human experience that's part of life as well as you know happiness and happy endings and love stories. and so it's truly a work of art the way I think last house on the left is a work of art I mean Wes Craven is is an artist yeah but in the grand scheme of all these other type of films they were mostly shit made by shitty filmmakers (laughs) even though they're good and they have their own quality I know yeah yeah of course right this was on the style was just on another level completely totally
2: And there's a lot there's a whole bunch of films you know it's you brought up roberta Finlay, which really reminded me of Sleezoid express which is probably something that like was big and uh oh yeah for me too for like learning about this stuff but it is funny that there's those films that there's a handful of films that are like shocking transgressive and have like a philosophical kind of like an artistic you know merit to them and then there's this like thousands of them like you said that are inspired by salad that are just having that just the thing that they liked was the cutting the tongue off part yeah 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 that's the part that resonated with those filmmakers the most is yeah. just the reaction that people got of there's like the you know, shock value really, yeah, yeah and I, I never really i never gravitated towards gore movies there's movies that were extreme that i thought were really fun like story of ricky or, or ricky o or something where it's just like love you know, you know out, out of out of uh it's just it's the gore is shocking but there's just that whole genre of just gore that just doesn't appeal to me i've almost brought it up on so many podcasts of like people that were just into latex and cutting stuff up it's just not my thing so much but yeah I, yeah it's weird that there are people that are uh that took what what different people took from this movie right yeah.
0: yeah i think well, you mentioned caligula was a perfect example where yeah. that oh. is clearly in the in the, in the wake of Sallow being uh, released and it was a crass move by Bob Cuccioni of (laughs) Penthouse Magazine to make like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a movie with um, porn scenes and Peter O'Toole. I
4: mean,
0: (laughs) wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and,
1: uh, we we, we, we should also say too, just about Pasolini, you know, uh, I mean, you know, th- he was, uh, you know, yeah, like, like you said, buddy. He, he is an, he was a, you know, he was an artist. He was an intellectual. Yeah. He was a poet. Yeah. You know, he was a philosopher yeah. in some ways. You know, and he he had a very interesting outlook. He was, you know, into Catholicism and Marxism, and he consistently was a provocateur. You know, uh, always pushing yeah. the boundaries and and violently offending the the sensibilities of Italy and their. And their cultural and, and like you know political elite figures, you know he always got a yeah. lot of heat from them for doing that, um, and he always also. Uh, like to criticize and set a lot of his later work was sort of fixated on another one fucking hour topic that we talked about last week. And then previous weeks is the idea of this like burgeoning global, you know, consumerism, you know, this, this idea of that, you know, and he really was, he really was forecasting that he was very critical of television and what that was doing to the, can we
0: interject on your point right there? Just a little side note. That has significance. I mean, a big part of this film is the coprophagia, the shit-eating. And, uh, you know, when asked, uh, Pasolini said um, it's his metaphor for uh, consuming modern 20th century um, processed foods. And it's almost sort of his, um, you know, black humor in referencing like, uh, you know, paraphrasing him like, we, well, you know, we all eat shit anyway. You craft macaroni and cheese; it already is shit. You know, so right. Uh, he was making <laughs> points like that in Salvo. It wasn't yeah, just you know yeah. one for one. He, he no. everything is very coded with him and symbolic with him.
1: Yes, exactly, and that's th- yeah. th- That is what's interesting about it, and it's like. You know uh yeah it's it's that metaphor for you know consumer capitalism you know and and yeah he really was he he had said that that you know it was an idea of like you know the uh, a a critique of the rise of junk food culture you know and and i have and look i mean we've explored that in dawn of the dead as a subject matter uh and of course it it echoed in my mind thinking of our one of our favorite clips from dawn of the dead of course you know when uh you know ken for he's got the manja
2: manja <laughs> You know, he's got the, the bread because he's screaming manja.
1: Because yeah. he's screaming because they're they're screaming manja at all these children, you know, and so
4: manja.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Literally yeah, that yeah. word. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. In Dawn and Solo, that's yes. awesome. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> little little connection there. But so we should like also that. mention, if you guys think it's a good time to get into this, kind of just before we get into the movie itself. I don't know. Yeah, I is just that obviously that this movie is a loose adaptation of Marquis de Sade's, you know, um, a 120 days uh, of Sodom. And, um, buddy, you had, you had asked if we had read it. Have you read it?
3: I have read it and I, it brings up a point I wanted to make in the difference between writing a, a novel and film. When I read it I was expecting to I was expecting it to be like, you know, porn pornography, of, you know, like high grade pornography. He's a fucking beautiful writer. It's beautifully written. I mean, wow. The film is so much more powerful because the imagery is what it is, and the Marquis de Sade was really—I was amazed at what a good writer he was. I wasn't expecting that whatsoever.
4: Yeah.
3: And and the Marquis de Sade's film uh, book—it just doesn't—it doesn't come off as violent, even though they're doing a lot of the same things. There's a lot of violence and there's a lot of sexual violence, but because he was such an amazing writer, Pasolini's film has more power. I mean, Pasolini's right. film really—it's right. it, a kick in the gut because you're confronted with these images, and there's no way, no matter what you do with the camera, no matter how beautifully right. lighted, it, it's still, you know, well, somebody getting his tongue cut off.
0: It's a flat depiction of what would have wound up being a fantastical uh, in the lyrical writing of of the book. I hear you. One little observation I had and be interesting to check with you on this, buddy, is I've heard uh, regarding the, the the subject of sexuality is very different from uh, Desaad's work, which is more lustful and literally more about like uh, the enjoyment of these perverse sexual acts. But in Sallow, it's very um, grim and it feels like uh, any sexual, it's not really sexual gratification that these four disgusting men who are, you know, the the, the, the ringleaders of this, uh, they're not really getting any kind of sexual satisfaction. The only real satisfaction is cruelty and the exhibition of, of their abuse and their, uh, use of power against these people. And there's really no lustful sexual gratification that's represented in Sallow. It's more uh, uh, anti-sex, you know, that's, I've, I've read that somewhere. What do you think?
3: I uh, no, It's, it's totally true see the Marquis de Sade's work is almost romantic. If, if you have a bent towards sadomasochism, his, his work is, is romantic to a degree because it plays right. to certain things that satisfies anybody who's into that element. Mm-hmm salo the film it's just violence and cruelty there's no sexual gratification there's no romance there's no it's just one of the things i think that i think it's such a great film is because it shows the darkest elements of human life that there could be you can't really go darker than that and it starts yeah. off with the kidnapping and then by the you know the circle of blood and that's one of the reasons why i think i was so fascinated i've always been you know the, the, the creatures that always scared me were the real monsters you know, mm-hmm. the, the you know, like Freddy Krueger and all the monsters. You know, I, yeah. I of course I watched them and I liked them and I think they're great. And sometimes I get scared. But truly, the scary guys are the real guys—the serial killers, Henry. Yeah,
0: totally.
3: these guys in yeah. Solo. You know, totally. I, from the left.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and Realistic. I think it's
1: I think it's really smart of him too, in terms of updating the material, you know, or to t- transposing the material into yeah. a World War II context, because yeah. mm-hmm. there is nothing is there is nothing. As brutal as fascism, you know, and so if you're going to make a movie about it, here you go, you know, so in it, in an allegorical like, you know, sense in an allegorical sense, it really depicts, um, you know, what the Nazis did in terms of their their, you know, inhumane, you know, brutality and people being experimented on just pure sadism, you know, fueled yes. by that that like freedom of fascism, you know, so I think mm-hmm. it's smart, uh, you know, of him to take it. You know, out of the Marquis de Sade context, even though right. I think
0: it's a place where there's no God, right. there's no morality, yeah. and there's no empathy, so that people and back to the consumerism, people are treated as commodities, like they're just bodies to play with and to abuse with no consideration of their um, their yeah. their their individuality, and that's yeah. a very dark place, and that's a very mm-hmm. a God is dead twentieth century place that that pops up over the past hundred years. Yeah, Marcus. You-
2: Right. Oh, just that, I mean, the the major differences for me that, from my understanding of it, my reading of it, just like that Salo is just, it's obviously like a critique of power, like at the end. That's like the, you know, if you could, if you could sum it up in one line, I think it would be critique of power. Whereas right. the Marquis de Sade, it seems like he was, you know, he was an aristocrat. He was convicted of some crimes that were along the nature of what he was writing about, right? And then he was- exactly. Sort of in, imprisoned and then secretly like writing all this stuff and, you know, yeah. it was a secret manuscript that got tucked yeah. away, you know. And so, but he was actually seems like a, like a proponent of, he's pro aristocrat, you know, sadism. Yeah. That's his, Absolutely. He, he's,
4: he's, uh, a libertine. he's into
2: liberty. Yes. He's a libertine. He who's like turned on by that stuff. And like, I don't. Really, I don't understand. I know Pasolini has a complex history as well, like just in terms of his his life yes. and things that he was that happened to him too. So it's, it's, but I think it's pretty clear that the film that he made with It's interesting to take a source material and then turn it almost against the intention of the author. it seems like the yeah. opposite intention of the Marquis. Yeah. So he's critiquing that, so yeah. You anyway, know, yeah. I think that's a really fascinating. Yeah, you brought up something turn.
1: really interesting, r- 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 real, quick. Just a quick button on on Marquis de Desaad. Like, you know, just from from my understanding, because you know, I was talking to Ramey. Shout out to Ramey. She she had read also the one hundred twenty days and was talking mm-hmm. about it, and 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 has read several of his work too. In that, you know, he he was he, you know, Marquis Desaad wrote about a lot of the extreme side of human transgressions the 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 evil the 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 uh, the excesses of extreme you know wealth uh, almost to a almost to a satirical level you know he wasn't in jail he was thrown in jail many times by you know because of his his own crimes or because of his writings I think I, I think like I actually think Napoleon read a few of his books and actually ordered him to be imprisoned, you know. And, of course, he was fa- he was famously at the tower, the, the uh, the uh you know, tower prison at um, Bastille when it was actually raided. This is just crazy, yeah. fascinating history. And to your point, he wrote this book, 120 Days of Sodom, on like in small print on a one long, you know, piece of paper scroll that he rolled up and hid in the walls. And some guy smuggled it out. And that's how it, that's how it. How it got out, yeah. and then he was oh. in and out of insane asylums for his whole life, and he would put on plays <clears throat> in the insane asylums with various people there, and that's how his, his work got out. Is people would actually smuggle out his plays and his work as contraband almost. So it's just like unbelievable history. It goes It's without saying.
2: wild. It's wild that someone kept it and stuck it and <laughs> hid it away. Yeah. They were like, this is great. Not just
0: the form is so obscure that like, hey, what's this like wadded up paper? like, And then the content is just like, yeah. yoing, you know, yeah. like, and it made its yeah. way into the yeah, like, uh, mid 20th century. You know, I got to say, we should talk about another. Uh, there's a big shadow over this film, and I'll put it succinctly, you know, Evan, we should Maybe do this conversation here real quick. Uh, sure. Three days before the film plays, three days before the film uh, comes out, uh, the director's murdered. Pasolini Ugh. was murdered. <laughs> so we could open up that conversation.
1: Yeah, it's it's
0: really that's, that's a weird one.
1: It's really it's really wild because you see that you know Pasolini and De have these weird parallels, you know, in terms of their personal life in some ways, and also in in the brutalism. Uh, ...behind the film and also Pasolini's death. It's just, it's very eerie when you start looking, you know, looking at it. But if you guys want to get into the circumstances around his death... ...but yes, he he was, you know, just before... It. ...I mean, and, and this movie caused, you know, Salo caused so much controversy... ...that one reviewer of the film, even after Pasolini died... ...urged that it be shown as a defense at the exhibit of Pasolini's murder trial... ...or the, the, the murder trial, you know, for his death... <laughs> You know, on the assumption that if anybody capable of directing such a film, you know, he was practically begging to be murdered, you know. So that just shows you kind of the influence it had locally. Well, there's also
0: uh, anti-homosexuality involved in that, too. Like, um, this guy's just a super pervert. So, of course, he wound up in this super perverted situation. Exhibit A, every second of this film sallow, you know. So that was the attitude. Very Italian, you know. Right,
1: (laughs) right. So... Yeah, so his his murder, you know, is shrouded in mystery to this day, and sort of the circumstances yeah. of it kind of play out like some sort of dark Italian giallo story in and of itself, you know, in in, in many ways, but it was uh, November 1st, 1975, Pasolini picks up a young 17-year-old man named Giuseppe Pelosi in the town of uh, Osita, which is near Rome. I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, but basically in the wee hours of the night after their rendezvous, the police stop this speeding Alfa Romero. And the driver is Giuseppe, this this kid that Pasolini picked up, mm. and and then he goes to run away, but he was arrested for theft of the car, which was identified as being you know belonging to Pasolini. And then hours later, they find Pasolini's body. It was beaten, bloodied, run over by the car uh, beside, and his and he was found beside a football field. You know, apparently his testicles smashed or something too, like just total
4: <laughs> brutal. Yeah.
1: Brutal, brutal no. thing, yeah. Um, and there were splinters of bloodied wood uh, laying around everywhere. So then it gets a little confusing, but long story short, because the cl- the clock is ticking, you know, Pelosi uh, confessed that you know basically he and Pasolini had set off. They had um, they had uh, sat down and um, at uh, and uh, had a meal together at a restaurant that Pasolini was known to frequent, and then they drove towards back towards uh, Ostia, where where Pasolini like propositioned him. Um and the boy had said, you know, that that he that Pasolini wanted to sodomize him with a wooden stick. That was what he alleged at the time. Pelosi refused. Pasolini struck him, and then Pelosi ran and picked up two pieces of a table, seized the stick, and battered Pasolini to death. That was the story he told police. And he escaped in the car. That was the whole thing. But um all the evidence that's you know, if you look at this case and you look at what had happened to him, Everybody has said uh, that it was impossible for one man to do the damage that was done to Pasolini, that, that he was the victim uh, of an attack uh. that was carried out by more than one person. Um, uh. And, a, uh, you know, there was more details that would come out later in the autopsy. It was revealed that he was partially burned with gasoline after his death. Jeez. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was looked at as almost like a mafia style revenge killing. You know, one that would have been extremely difficult for one person to do. Um, and mm-hmm. so then as the story would unfold, you know, you'd have like the mayor of Rome in 2010 demand that the case be reopened, you know, oh. because there was a lot of strange politically charged circumstances that were kind of swirling around this. And yeah. so... Um, and it was really interesting that, you know, and, and that there were a lot of motives that would come up and conspiracy theories that would come up over the years. I, I kind of will earmark it as further reading for our listeners here. But one of the more interesting ones that kind of changed from conspiracy theory into more, like, in like really interesting lead was um, <clears throat> what were these political motivations? that um, And the fact that Pelosi would reverse his confession... Okay, that would actually happen oh. years later. Yes, he would. He would. He would mm. reverse his confession, and there was more evidence that would be found years later on. Like there was a. a, a something's sweatshirt. going on. Yeah. Yeah. The straight story
0: is not the straight story. Oh, yeah,
1: I know yeah. hey. exactly. But but yeah, one of the main sort of things people think is that it was a politically motivated thing where. You know, Pasolini was looking into a story about the uh, killing of a some energy giant mogul in Italy, who, uh, which was oh. also the basis of a a a, a a a Francesco Rossi film too. And he was looking into this. He was looking into this story about how a successor to this energy giant had actually murdered. You know, this guy um, and one of the journalists who was even looking into this story, along with Pasolini, had been kidnapped and never seen again. And so a lot of people think that, you know, and then the, and the guy who allegedly killed this energy mogul was linked to like a Freemason group. And so there's a lot of really Uh-oh. crazy, yeah, sp- spiraling weird conspiracy oh, oh theories you can is, get is into. There, is
0: there a QAnon in Italy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's Definitely. That's a rabbit hole. A- QAnon. But, okay. But, the, but hold right. on. Last, but last something, little something Something's... Yeah. Yeah. Last little button, I'll say it because it brings a smile to my face, is that Abel Ferrara says, you know, of course, who made the biopic Paso- uh, Pasolini mm-hmm. star- starring yeah. Willem Dafoe, he says, I know who killed Pasolini, but I, but he refuses to give a name. So. <laughs> but I'm not talking. Of course he does. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I love that. Of course he'd anyway, say that. For, further reading, further reading. There's no, it's a it's and
0: again, it adds, it adds this dark cloud, uh, you know, to it's already really dark cloud of a movie. But, um, you know, we're talking about this film being very heavy, being received very uh, intensely on a personal and it's sort of a cultural level. But one thing that always caught my attention to keep in mind is what was the set like? You know, now, first of all, another favorite thing of of, uh, one fucking hour is that there are a couple legitimate professional actors in this film, just a few, but mostly everyone is a non-actor and just off the street. All those teenage kids are just like (laughs) not actors at all. So, one thing that always caught my eye was on the set, you would think this is a very heavy, dour film, you know, just like the, the, just the depths of human depravity, right, being represented. But I've read that on set, there was a lot of laughs and a lot of fun and a lot of fun loving uh, goofiness about all this crazy stuff. And that the, uh, well, the famous thing is that the, the shit that they were all consuming was uh, a concoction made special of chocolate and uh, marmalade uh you know jam and uh so that's keeping let's keep that in mind if we if anybody sees the film. but also it's, it doesn't matter though when you see the film it's still no. kind of
5: hits you know no. viscerally
0: but one thing i just noticed was like um someone defined the set was mostly uh you could say it was uh, all about risotto and watching soccer games you know like yeah. like they would, they would go cut. Soccer. yeah it'd be like cut and they'd watch the game and eat risotto and you know like drink wine and laugh at each other and play cards which is weird because when you watch the film, it's so not just the the, the depiction of the depravity, but it's a very closed, sick world. It, it, an entire he created an entire world these poor people are in. You know, there's no outside world, and it's it's a hyperbolic chamber of depravity with uh, with that great touch of the um the, the U.S. bombers almost constantly overhead. Love this that. unnerving sound, of like, you know, going by, but um, to think that 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 um, claustrophobic kind of uh, uh, nightmare world really just popped open and was a party. Oh, uh, well, you know what I heard always fucks with my head. You know, <laughs> you, know? you know what I would heard.
1: You know, what I would heard is I heard yes, they they were they were playing football like a lot of soccer, you know, football matches. But I'd mm-hmm. heard that it was after the filming, it would be Team Solo. Playing football against Team nineteen hundred,
0: right? Verdunish yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now that's so uh, weird. Now
1: that's a <laughs> that
3: movie
0: is, I want
1: to see. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Someone <laughs> yeah. should make
0: that movie.
3: Yeah. One one thing. Getting to that point, I mean, uh, a lot of times these really dark and bloody horror films on set, it's light. It has to be. Mm. You know, it has to. It, it has to be. That's why you're doing it so dark, because it's just a release to get it out of your system. But I've been on I mean, in my own films as well. It has to be light behind the camera mm. because it's just it would be too intense. Interesting thing about the four main actors, and you guys probably read this as well. I always found it fascinating. Nobody, Pasolini shot MOS just about all his films, he never shot with Sync Sounds. Yeah. So everything is going to be dubbed, but the four main actors refused to do their dubbing because they knew this film was way, way different than they thought it was going to be. So all the actors you hear are other actors that they brought in to do the dubbing, oh. which I find oh, interesting. Wow. And, you know, it's true. I, I, I mentioned this to, to Evan before that um, every time I see an Italian film and one of those four guys appear because they do yeah. appear. Dear yeah. Salo. I'm back to Sal. You know, I, I can't help
0: it. I, <laughs> right, I know. Like especially that guy with the fucked up eyes. Let's like, talk about I him. him. I hate him so much. I can't look at him sometimes. He's it's like kind the of worst. A... He's the worst image of the film. His stupid smiling face and the banal mm-hmm. jokes. I yeah. can't I can't and like showing his asshole horrible. to everybody like he's, yeah, he's, he's so totally awful. he's he's, he's like like he, a like a Harpo Marx clown no, jackass. no he's like, no
1: um, he's more he's sodomite. more um, he, he's god. more Dana Carvey and Master of Disguise
0: <laughs> yes, vibes to oh me oh my god, <laughs> god. <laughs> horrible. And, and you know what? this is where Evan cuts to like uh, him in the turtle costume in Master of Disguise right Evan yeah,
1: I want to <laughs> see I want to see Master of Disguise Turtle Sallow version more so me too yeah yeah, but that guy, man, holy shit! I hate yeah. him. That yeah. guy
3: appears in movies. I've seen that guy. The guy yeah. I see the most. <laughs> yeah, I see the guy with the beard. He's the guy yeah. with the beard oh, yeah. in yeah, the most movies, and he's actually a really good actor. And he must have probably destroyed his career because who could you see? Mm-hmm. How could you see Salo and yeah. see him in anything and not see yeah. Salo? Yeah, they're yeah. like they, they always yes.
1: appear in like like. uh like um, Umberto Lenzi films or something. I feel like you see those guys. <laughs> yeah, it's up. very yeah, Lenzi. You know, exactly. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Respectable films. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yeah, I, w- one, one thing I, I find kind of interesting, maybe as a conversation starter about the movie too, is uh, something that hit me too. Uh, probably another theme, you know, for for Pasolini in this movie is, <clears throat> you know, during the circle of blood, obviously the, the, the most... Uh, Perhaps arguably the most upsetting stuff in the movie is that ending scene where they're just seeing unending torture one after the other. But it's yeah. all filmed through binoculars, you know, so you mm-hmm. are seeing it from the point of view of like, vo- you know, uh, commentary on voyeurism, you know, uh, yeah. as well. And being and kind a
0: spectator, of, which yeah. is what you are when yes. you watch Solo. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and the
1: whole scene is played that way. the The idea mm-hmm. that we, we, we don't ever cut down to that field, yes, you know, that's we're true. all seeing yeah. it from a distance. Yes, and I always kind of wondered, you know, because I know that that, mm. uh, you know, was obviously a very clear, deliberate choice. But also in reading into Pasolini too, one of the things he felt was the evils of consumerism, um, and a capitalist society was television, you know. And I, I kind of wonder if that's kind of a commentary. Mm. Sort of visual sure. commentary on what he's saying.
0: I'm hundred percent sure of that, uh, because actually, just to speak to what you're saying, you know, the binoculars um, distancing, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, that he uses, it actually gets increased because they flip the binoculars, and the, the horrible torture but gets even further away and, and and distant from the the spectator. Right. So there's definitely intention there in that device.
3: That's the guy with the eyes. Does that yes my, my buddy yeah. dana carvey yeah but you know <laughs> exactly. you can look at it also those are opera glasses so maybe it was just entertainment yes. being in the theater they were they weren't military binoculars they were opera glasses and i was Good just wondering point. if that's better because these guys definitely went to the opera they were all libertines
0: yeah well mm-hmm. absolutely and that's again, a lot of it is what mark is or sorry what uh evan is saying sorry it's about like spectators television entertainment anything can be entertainment cut to people watching uh you know People getting brutalized on youtube now
2: you know so Mm -hmm. we're living that yeah there's a lot of forms of like theater in the movie and the way it's staged or the way it's shot right Mm -hmm. and then like you said um bringing up dante and like the you know the 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 ritual and seeing a a big open room it's almost like a proscenium with and you know with the actors all kind of facing camera basically you know the way that they face the audience so there's a lot of that like Yes, like uh, the conventions of theater, like entered mm-hmm. into that a lot. Yeah,
1: yeah. The movie has this very beautiful, um, like, like we, were, we we mentioned just maybe before we started recording, is that you know even you know how you know how crazy, dark, and brutal and insane and masochistic this movie is. There's are some really beautiful frames in this movie, and of course, the uh, you know, yeah. like contrasting the the beauty of the architecture. You have these great Art Deco locations, you know, very flat, but you know, you sort of have this yeah, barren, brutalist sort of, you know, Deco sort of you know uh, design, like like you know, the design of the production, which is amazing. I think it really adds to a weird kind of contrasting well, quality. You know, with the just to,
0: just to speak to that. Um... Uh, You know, this uh, this is a landscape we're talking about, right? So the landscape is gorgeous and 20th century and somewhat modern. There's that like a Léger kind of pastiche of a Léger, you know, modernist painting uh, that's very big in the background. But um, one thing that caught my eye and I was reading about this was like, sometimes this film hits me viscerally and I'm like, what am I responding to? Because it's so odd. And I'll just open this up to you guys. There's two things that I, I think make this film unique experientially, you know, for people who watch lots of movies. Like us, number one, there's no characters. Not really. Like we were talking about this before. Uh, everyone's first name basis, and actually someone I was reading pointed out that very often the uh, victims and even the perpetrators, you know, the brutes, um, uh, they, their names change. It just doesn't even matter. Like they're called Guido here and then Frederico over there. And then even the principal people are for, are not even named. They're just like, you know, the director, the architect, the presidente.
3: There's the bishop, the president, the... Um they all have a magistrate they all have their titles
0: uh-huh. yeah. exactly mm-hmm. and just the last thing I'll say is uh uh so uh, I did read more about it and Pasolini said I can't have empathy and sympathy scenes you know like where you're really focusing on like a kid who's just weeping and wants to die and praying to their mother there's a, there's a hint a little bit of that but he said if he played that a lot it would actually make the film unbearable if you were to humanize the victims so mm. they are we are experiencing them in much of the same way that the abusers uh, and the powerful over them are Jesus experiencing them, which is, which is interchangeable, just like bags of meat, you know? And uh, that's a very grim thing to have a, a landscape where there's no, uh, um, you know, like simpatico, you can't click with anyone in this film, no victims and perpetrators. Yeah. It's a chilling mm-hmm. place to be in that landscape.
1: Yeah, I think I think also to what you were saying about listing the the roles of the different like you know main like libertines in the film, I think that harkens yeah. back to the source material because I think in the in the book the four libertines one is a duke, one's a bishop, one's a judge, and a banker. I think that's right. what we have here. Yeah,
3: too. that's no, that's you're right. I forgot that. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, and
1: I, I think in the in the original novel, it's like they lock themselves away in a castle in the Black Forest, you know, and they have two harems of teenage boys and girls that are abducted for you know, whatever their occasions are. So it is kind of harkens back. That's, I think, a harkening back to the material. But 100%, Tom, just to go back to what you were saying, it's like that is one of the most <laughs> chilling aspects. It didn't really quite dawn on me when I was watching it again the other it's night. It's a weird it's device. True. It's yeah. weird that, like, yeah, this movie really has no characters, no plot to, to, to speak of. It's just like this alienating sort of experiential... <laughs> thing Don't yeah. it's a situation you know? yeah.
3: it's it's really just a situation a yes. situation they're set it up yeah you know yeah. You, mm-hmm. the thing is you know it's just it's just pure cinema it's just you yeah. know you were talking about the, the the landscape I'm much more impressed by the interior shots because the interior shots are shot as if it their landscapes the the frame yeah. and the composition Sorry, yeah you know sometimes you know I look at a film like Sallow and I think like what have we lost today because like films like Sallow could never be made and maybe they shouldn't be I don't know maybe one is enough but you know the idea of a filmmaker at the top of his game a true artist being able to do something so far beyond the bounds of good taste so far beyond the bounds of decency even I mean you know like you know we we say all the time you hear it all the time oh that couldn't get made today oh that couldn't get made today well ever there was a film that that applies to just yeah, even if stop. it was it could, even if
1: it was Ryan Gosling eating that shit, I don't think it would get made. No, <clears> no. no. It can get bankrolled. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> the Beyond that.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's fascinating too that just I mean beyond the the sadness of his as of his death as an actual person dying and beyond the um the controversy just the fact that he dropped this bomb on society and never had to answer for it you know like I never, know yeah, never point. had yeah. to like, like um, I'm
0: out <laughs> like enjoy the solo everybody <laughs> yeah I think yeah. that
2: must be what uh, contributed to its... yeah you know, good partially was contributed to its uh, you know notoriety also well
0: again it was the, it was to be the first in a trilogy and if I can just uh, uh, a little more 70s context like uh, of, his, of his filmmaking career he did the trilogy of life from about 1970 to 74 uh Decameron um Arabian, Arabian, Nights, Nights. Arabian Nights yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there was the trilogy of life and then Canterbury he, made a
3: Canterbury. Right. Canterbury
0: he made a statement in 74 and he renounced them because he said because he really hated hippies and he said uh, this is all <laughs> like um, like the use of like the beautiful naked body is another consumerist you know device to uh you know make you buy products and mm-hmm. be a sheep and he said that uh, you know the commodification of hippiness a beautiful nude lovemaking in the streets like he felt that his films were yeah. playing into that you know and he said hell no right and so this was a response this film to the proposed first of a trilogy called the the um the trilogy of death right. and uh, so he was responding to his own films which came in the wake of um Basically the '60s and the Love Generation is what I'm trying to say. So that's a very interesting place that he's in, and he would have made yeah two others if he wasn't murdered. Uh, one of them was about that um, mass that mu- mass murderer of children in um, yeah. another aristocrat.
5: I yeah, forgot yeah, his yeah.
0: Name. yeah. But yeah, so um, so this would have just kept going, you know. Wow, the <laughs> train would have kept chugging down the line. Yeah, if he wasn't murdered. Figure.
2: But to your point more. just about just about being react reacting to the hippies uh uh you know he was like a he was a, a pretty serious catholic right like deeply uh held religious police but he was also a Mar- uh, marxist communist so i think he's yeah. uh this bone to pick with the hippies was that they were all just middle class so that like no right. nothing could ever come from their revolution because right. they were just uh They weren't like the the working class people that needed to rise up. They're just the middle class people that were daydreaming. They
0: were bourgeois. He sided with the cops who were beating the heads of the
2: hippies (laughs) because
0: he said, cops are working class and those are my people and not these um, people who are indulging in this like uh, a year or two of like running around and being quote unquote free. I understand he he has an interesting point and it's very interesting to have anyone be one counter. To the mid to 60s to the uh, early 70s who has any different take on it he's a right. he's a powerful he is a very powerful um intellectual and and his reading is very uh, interesting um about where he lands in that landscape where most mostly people were thinking uh hive-minded about this stuff and in, and in a way he's saying himself with the uh trilogy of life he was kind of flowing in that current too so you have to think of Salo in 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 context of um in a way, it's a reaction to um, 60s and, and flower power, you know, and I could it's a it's a pretty powerful punch in the face to uh, hippie flower yeah. power uh, aesthetics.
2: I do like when there's a little bit of insight into the films too. like there, there are some there are some quotes from him talking about the film, which I don't know where they came from or like when they were recorded. Um, it would be nice to have more, you know, in a way. I, I wish that we had insight. Of course, they probably would have chased him down like frankenstein style anyway it killed him anyway for this yeah but um Good point I, th- there's a great quote just about um him talking about the films not only about power but the anarchy of power and i think that's like that's the that's the core of the film uh, and i'm glad he was around to say it you know because it's like uh power has this paradox where it's like if whoever's an absolute whoever has like supreme control is able mm-hmm. to just make no laws and make complete anarchy make so up their own laws think it's, yeah it's, it's the yeah it's the best illustration of that concept you know and especially because it is so um you know horrible to look at disgusting you know well, um just that people that yeah power breeds uh anarchy can breed anarchy on the other side
0: I know what you're saying it is counterintuitive like this intense uh overarching monarchical rigidity over everything, where you're dictating every Mm -hmm. single person's life at your whim, that is in its own way the worst kind of anarchy because it's the whim of, you know, a a single individual or a small group of people, you know what I mean? What I'm saying is like laws are usually based on some kind of like golden rule morality, you know what I mean? (laughs) But if you're willy-nilly making, because these guys make up laws, they make a declaration at the beginning of the film, like this is how things are going to be at this villa, you know? yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and
3: uh just you guys this oh go ahead i'm sorry is there anything positive about watching sallow like and i was thinking about this see i I find i for me watching a film like sallow is very cathartic and i i have to say every time i've seen it over these 30 years longer i feel smarter after seeing it because what Mm -hmm. it does is it reminds me of the dark brutal side of life and we never we we never see it we never exposed to it I mean even in New York living in crime you don't see anything to the level of Sallow ever and so a film like Sallow to me is cathartic it it brings out a lot of tension and anxiety because it comes out of my system watching these people do such horrible things and it also it serves as a reminder that this is also where we live yeah we you know we, you know, we, we don't only yeah. live like in a normal place or disneyland or whatever mm-hmm. we live in a fucking jungle that's shallow in many ways and it's usually hidden yeah you know exactly but, but,
0: but you know what buddy just speak to that like uh it's 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 a dark cloud i think uh garrison keillers somebody said this there's a dark cloud that's always passing around earth and, you know, like it lands in Cambodia in the late 70s. Yeah. And the dark cloud right now, among other little ones, is Ukraine and what the soldiers are doing to, to civilians, you know, this raping and murdering and mutilation and stuff. And so
1: the Russian soldiers, uh,
0: you know, it, it, uh, which will speak to what you're saying is uh, it's always there. But in a pretty bourgeois society, a polite society like <clears> in the <throat> West, um, you just don't talk about it. You know, it's maybe talked about with outrage and referenced in indirectly in uh, the, the nightly well, news, I, yeah but to I, really d- dig I, down and investigate I, it,
1: I, I mean, doesn't I, happen. I, I I made a very cheap joke at the top of the show, you know, about about the 120 days of Jeffrey Epstein, you know, but I mean, you know, yeah. in 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 terms of like this, like a solo in our present society, you know, I mean. It's very similar to. He is Sol. He's he's John Solo, You know, I mean that is <laughs> that is yeah, uh, because you know, billions yeah. of dollars
0: gives you right. you know, fascist like power. Absolutely, right. yeah, exactly, yeah, totally. and, and and the same thing with Putin in Russia and, and the oligarchs. Yeah. You know,
1: exactly. Yeah. And, I think,
2: and they, I think they go ahead, Evan.
1: Oh, I was going to actually just make one if I can, Marcus, make one point to your earlier point if I can about you were talking about just real quick, Pasolini commenting on the the movie one interesting thing is he was killed the day after he returned from stockholm where he had he had hung out with ingmar bergman they were hanging mm. out together and he had he had given an interview uh that day to one of the magazines about solo and he has said he said that the film addresses his favorite theme which is I consider consumerism to be a, a worse form of fascism than the classic variety. That was his quote right there. Wow. So, so that is another thing that he says, mm-hmm. you know, directly um, about the right. movie. But yeah, like, go on. It's what he
0: he's saying is out of control capitalism. You yes,
1: know? yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. So that is at least something. And you also talked about power, Marcus. And you know, one one big we, we touched on this for a second, but one big fan uh, of this movie is John Waters. Um, you know, of course, another film oh, provider. just going to say. And, yeah. and uh, he, he, he describes the movie as, quote, pornography of power, you know, and, and, and that's what it is, which I think is a very apt mm-hmm. way to sort of also sum it up, you know, is that this shows the gruesome reality of what happens when a desire for unadulterated, you know, sensuality meets unchecked authority, you know, that's what yeah. this is.
0: Well, and yeah. it goes back to mm-hmm. Caligula. I mean, it's... Um, human you know human beings have gotten together and, and made tribes and uh, they're often uh, as, the, as the as the epochs go on there's a distortion of uh, power of individuals and small groups within these tribes and uh, there's a temptation without quote unquote God you know the laws of God without that the like Nietzschean kind of environment uh, then it's just like what then there are no boundaries i want to simply be led by my desires and my desires are often coinciding with uh overeating using people ignoring people and not uh giving uh, you have the luxury if you're powerful and rich enough to have the luxury to not care about another individual on an individual Mm -hmm. level of basic respect and that happens
3: that's in hollywood too man Um, you're you're describing social media
4: yeah,
2: <laughs> that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, also, with the uh, yeah. with the unchecked power, it's a, a critique of the aristocracy that if you have power and money, then you're always pursuing more things to make you happy because those things don't make you happy anymore. So you're you're constantly trying to break taboos and like you know See, and, and do th- those sort of things make you I don't know. Happy or uh, you know you're you able think to they exercise will. your you're able to exercise your power that way by well, like
0: if, if I can I think that gets back to the the anti sex of the uh, of, of the figureheads in, um, in doing all this in uh, the film sallow is that it uh, the implication that I get is that they are so calloused with their cheap thrills that mm-hmm. they're post like yeah raping you know frankly is like uh whatever that was last sunday like boring you know (laughs) and it's like um no let's have them like like all over each other you know it's like because it's um the 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 bar moves when you get calloused uh you know like uh uh, about the 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 sun last sunday's cheap thrills and i think that that's where they are now they don't give a shit about having an orgasm in the film and the only turn on and you see it in the film is not like uh like yeah yeah, and, and and just like uh drooling over cruelty
1: well, there's a there's a there's a mm-hmm. moment in the movie where I think uh, I can't remember exactly where it is in the movie because you get lost in it, <laughs> you know. But there's a there there is a scene where one of the female the young female characters, uh, she she starts crying and immediately their mm-hmm. their like attention gets like oh now we're interested oh, yeah because, perk up because because yeah yeah, they, 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 yeah. yeah exactly they they, they 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 perk up when she starts crying and so it's obviously purely about you know that that yeah. Power yeah. and yeah. say it is cruelty is a
0: turn on, yeah, and, yeah, and it's 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 not sex, you know.
3: Yeah, and you know how yeah. they they killed her mother. She's crying for her mother. I know That's the what scene it is about That's is. right. That's right. Yeah. That's you know, what it is. Another thing that uh, I'll tell you, going back to seventy-seven, the first time I saw this, what really struck me was that the four guys, the magistrate, the whole, the, the four creepy guys, mm-hmm. sort of like they have no sexuality because there are no borders. They do everything. They fuck and they get fucked, yeah. and there's right. no. Right. It, it, it's right. it, it, it's like there's really no rule whatsoever mm-hmm. there's yeah. there, there it's completely fluid sexuality yeah which yeah. for 77 you know as a kid in 77 that was also really shocking to see because i hadn't been been exposed to characters that just had no morality whatsoever there was no line right. there's no god gonna... no yeah. god
0: they're it's... god and they make up their own rules you know yeah. so uh yeah. yeah it's at their um you know And and, you know, there's a real term. I think the word is terminal. Like uh, the film is on a total death charge. And I've read and I believe the implication is this thing that you don't see at the end of the film. We should talk about the end here at the end. But just the implication is that everyone's going to die by the end of this episode you know what I mean? Uh, uh, the situation, you know, like the victims, the, uh, the, the henchmen doing the perpetrating. And then even these four guys, they're all going to die. They're all going to get, you know, killed by the allies bombing them or something. So it's just so terminal. And, uh, to speak to the ending. If I can, he just, um, he had four endings to choose from and he chose the one that you know, we're with. And one of the weird ones was it was kind of like, you know, the ending of 40 uh, year old virgin. I'm going somewhere with this, is that he wanted to have the entire cast get together, and all sort of dance around madly and wildly and have funny I think he shot this where it's just like like this big like big sallow party with the casting wow. characters and the brutalizers dancing with the victims and it was going to be you know <laughs> the way 40 old Virgin ends where they're all together yeah. singing on the hill let the so, sunshine in yeah yeah exactly so he he didn't go for that one but it's a compromised version that's in the final film where hmm. there's two guys do dance together so
3: but yeah. it's, it's yeah, a perfect I ending think that, because that, it, that, it ends with a whisper I'm sorry Marcus go ahead
2: Oh, no, I just, I was reminded of what Buddy was talking about earlier about like how we are sallow, or we have it in our society today, it still exists, you know, and that's to me what the ending is with those two guys dancing and mm. talking about their girlfriends or whatever is like, they're complicit in it, you know, they know it's happening, they're complicit in it, and yet they're able to, to you know, they keep their position and talk about like, and they're able to like, go on with like the, the normal things in life, even though they know these horrible things exist. The banality
0: so. in the other room, you know, like, mm. uh,
2: yeah.
3: I gotta yeah. tell you, one of my favorite scenes when the piano Please. player just calmly walks through the house, yes. all these long tracking shots, and she just calmly, completely, quietly walks, sits on the windowsill, and just falls out the window. Falls. And, Unbelievable. I was it's, it's gonna bring gross. that up. Me too. She's yeah. an
0: enigma because she shows some sympathetic eyes towards the kids yeah. once in a while. Right. She's an interesting character. There's so there, there's so much coding. And there's so many layers of symbolism that you can really spend like months. By the way, this is one of the few films with a bibliography, by the way, which also yeah. shocked people back then. There's a fucking bibliography. What other film has yeah. that? You yeah. should do no. that, uh, and buddy.
2: that right the I, I, Next film. Just that, the, just that the, the most immoral film of all time it could be one of the most moral films because yeah. it's actually dealing sure. with all these things that other people are too like, shy away from. Yeah, I love sure. that.
0: All right, that's uh, it. Oh wow, that was great, guys. Was that awesome. was great. Welcome Holy to the shit. fold, buddy. Yeah, welcome.
3: Yeah, that was awesome,
1: man. <laughs> Dude, the clock is brutal, but uh, it's brutal. I think, yeah, it's brutal. There's look, we man. Know, hey, we
0: make up our own rules here. Yeah, like, we're, were the gods. A lot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you, you know, really
1: know what? a lot. Let's let's start it over. Motherfucking goddamn. No. Oh, uh, two no, fucking uh, hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was gonna say that. No, we no we did. We absolutely covered a lot, and I was gonna say that you know yeah. It's great, You know, this movie, you know, obviously, yeah, it's on like the top 10 most fucked up movie list, you know, all the time. But it really has, there's a lot, there's a lot, you know, it is a deep ass movie. Yeah, there's There's a a lot lot going on there. More than most movies.
0: Pure cinema. It really is. Well, it's deceptive. Like we're saying, there's no characters, there's no plot. But for a movie with no characters, no plot, it gets very deep. And you can go very deep into this film because... Mm-hmm. And I'm cheating here slightly, but I'll just say my last two senses. everything is intentional in this film. Yeah, every yeah, look, yeah. every glance, every shot, every choice in music right. is very intentional and, and has like, you know, a, a huge foot, like eight page footnote, you know, to it. Yes, totally. That's 100%. All. That's it. That's my that was
1: a big ass cheat. OK, uh, but yeah, that was it. Uh, one fucking hour on 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 Salo on or the 120 days of Sodom. Uh Salo? What oh, I keep saying Salo. Salo. can you
0: see it?
2: I I I no. should on streaming it is oh, not so how are people is, gonna how are viewers
3: gonna see it? We Inter- no, uh, can see it on
2: Internet Internet Archive. <laughs> okay, Internet yeah? Archive has it
3: it's yeah. also we maybe. DVD. It is on Blue. No, I yeah. It is yeah, on Blue. Right, yeah, right, right. True. But a, I just
0: mean, you know, the modern streaming world. There is I don't a it,
1: Th yeah. it's not on streaming in the States currently. I'm sure that'll change. Um, but it is on Criterion Blu-ray. There's a great uh, Blu-ray edition of it you can get. I'm sure it'll pop up eventually. Um, but for, for for the time being, right as we're sitting right now, it is not available. Uh, again, if you haven't seen it, like I said, you and and, you're, and you and you listen to the hour, you should know what you're getting yourself into. So yeah. make sure you know yeah. if you're not if you're not you heads know up. like yeah heads up going into this movie. But there there is a lot. It, hey, look out at your local Cinematech if it's gonna play. Go go check it out if it is. That's the um, best. That's the best. Uh, So that's one fucking hour on Salo. Buddy, it's a pleasure having
3: you into the fold.
0: Great, dude. Welcome to the show. Yeah. So cool. Uh, Thank
3: you, guys. I'd be happy to come back anytime. I love the show. I'm Yeah.
0: Throw some titles at us, you awesome. know. We'll, oh, he has. <laughs> he has. He has. We'll figure some out.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, buddy, we got to – and maybe someday soon uh, we should we should cover your own movie, too, because I, I think there's a lot yeah. to do, it too, yes. for, uh, yeah. Combat Shock. I, I
0: proposed maybe – this is a slightly different animal, but maybe you come on when we do Combat Shock, and it could be like you do a ride-along with us. As the film's director, I thought that could be an interesting experiment. Just throwing that out there. I'd Why love not? to do that.
3: I'd be happy yeah. to do that.
1: Yeah, we got a lot to awesome. say about that movie, so I think that I think that would be cool. So uh, yeah, so so look out, future one fucking hour on Combat Shock. Um, yeah. But uh, before we let everybody go, let's let's quickly talk about next week's show, which, guys, episode fifty next week. Holy shnikes. Wow, wow. one fucking hour I can't hour believe 50. it. When you say
0: that, I'm like, we did this fifty times. <laughs> yeah, I know. Man, How? Oh. Yeah. What?
1: <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. crazy. So, so let's let
0: let's talk a little bit about
1: quickly what that's going to be, guys, because it's not going to be just for our for our fiftieth milestone. You know, of course, we're gonna um, do something a little special. Uh, a lot of our viewers responded positive, positively to our Halloween special, which was our top ten underappreciated um, underrated horror films. We're gonna do a different kind of in the similar vein uh, show where we're gonna spend the one fucking hour clock talking about the movies that we hate. So it's going to be... Oh,
0: I hate this movie. It's
1: going to be one fucking hour on movies we hate. So it's going to be a little freeform spectacular of just us kind of throwing around the movies that we have an, um, uh, just like emotionally make us mad
0: (laughs) just like repulsion like no that's no i don't want you to exist film
2: (laughs) yeah yeah and and it's not quite as it's not quite as negative as it sounds either right because like we're doing this out of love of cinema (laughs) right that's why we hate these movies it's in
0: defense of cinema (laughs) it is yeah it is
1: is. (laughs) yeah it is so it's going to get some people mad it's going to ruffle a few feathers but you know what we're going to get into the movies that have really that we really don't like um (laughs) no yeah, no. <laughs> like and that's like a, a dog, exactly. And you know, because there, you know, a big part of the show is spending the hour talking about movies we love, pure love fests, getting into the films like Deliverance, and getting into the films like Straight Time, and getting it Salo or, or Salo or or last week Over the Edge. You know, talking about the movies we just really yeah. love. oh so good. And but a big also part of the show is talking about those movies we really don't like, Psycho ninety eight. <laughs> magnolia you know where it's so been we're a gonna, minute it's been, it's a, been minute, a minute yeah. since so 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 we're going to spend the hour getting into maybe some of those films that we wouldn't waste an entire hour on but maybe we yeah. talk about for five minutes you know as a laugh
0: or, or we That's could cool. open up a, later and and un- unpack an hour on a film yeah. if, you know of this yeah. if it shakes out in these 10 yeah. that we're picking
1: yeah you know, yeah, that could sure. be fun. It's actually a good, like, pilot. Like, we're kind of piloting future right. one fucking right, hours. Exactly. Um, and and then how it's going to work, uh, I'm sure we'll define the rules a little bit more going into next week. But currently, the way the rules are going to work is, again, j- just like our top 10 horror uh, show we did, we're actually not going to know what each other is going to bring to the table. So And then we'll sort of discuss. <laughs> and uh, it'll be interesting to know, you know, what really, you know, uh, bugs yeah. Tom, what bugs Marcus. And it, yeah. it'll... it'll It'll be sort of fun I that way, and and, and and we'll can't walk wait. away. Yeah, just spending the hour talking about movies we hate. I can't wait. Um, all right, so thank you everybody <laughs> for listening and watch or slash watching fifty hours of this program. That is absolutely oh, unbelievable. Rice. And uh, and then of and, then and of thanks course,
3: again, what's... buddy. Great yes. to have you. Great yes. hang uh, out with you, Tom. You, Great to meet you, Marcus. Yeah, man. And Evan, thank it's you. Exam. Thank you guys. It was a, such a pleasure and a lot of fun. Yeah, From Berlin yeah.
0: with love, he comes. Yes, he <laughs> yeah. does. Yes, That's true. That's I true. love that. It's so exotic. Yeah, you know? it's You're amazing. closer to the world of sallow than we are right now. North America. You You can can take a drink to Sallow. You (laughs) you could drive down to the villa later today, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A little visit. You should, by the way. You should should. go down there and make a pilgrimage to wherever they shot it, (laughs) you know. Yeah. They have like the the Sallow pictures. Yeah.
1: They have like the Sallow experience, you know, all all tourism. tourism. Yeah. Yeah. Salo tourism. The solo time—that's yeah. like the friends' experience <laughs> like here that. in New York City. Um, okay, all right, everybody. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, buddy, we can't let you leave us, of course, without your moment of Zen. Wow, can't wait for what that's going to be on this one. All right, everybody,
3: all right. party! <laughs> yeah, party
1: time! All right, everybody, take care. Have a great rest of your Bye. week, and we'll see you next week uh, for the movies uh, we hate. Take care, all right. guys. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
5: Salo is an amazing movie, essential to have seen, as a New Yorker film critic put it, but impossible to watch. Pasolini once boasted that he was a communist, a Catholic, and a homosexual. Oh. To me, he was a saint, murdered by a hustler named Pino the Frog a week before Solo was released in theaters. I detest the power in today's world, he stated at the time. And one of Salo's actresses explained further that Pasolini was just more of an artist. He was someone trying to live in his time with dignity. Nothing is more contagious than evil, a character says in tonight's film. And in this story of whores telling filthy little tales to arouse their impotent audience of fascists who claim to be the real anarchists, so different from today's political situation? (laughs) Replace these evil ruling class monsters with Trump's circle and it could be the same circle. Imagine the cross-eyed child torturer who dresses in drag as a bride and shows his asshole in a rectal beauty contest, recast with Mitch McDonald or Bill Pence. The moral of this story would still work. Could this film be made today? 14-year-old boy and girl extras doing circle of shit scenes? (laughs) True, the feces was chocolate, unlike what I used in Pink Flamingos. (laughs) But still, still, the young cast said the only problem was to keep from laughing while they shot. The mood was supposedly jovial on set, and Pasolini was reportedly quiet and gentle with the teenage actors. Imagine their memories. When I was 15, I ate shit for Pasolini. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef.
3: That was wicked, man.